touchdown, Wisconsin. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Rhino Elbert Show, brought to you by Wisconsin Sports Heroics. Check them out on Facebook. Check them out on Twitter, at WiscoHeroics1, for all of your up-to-date analysis, breaking news, and anything and everything related to Wisconsin sports. I am your host, Rhino Elberts, and guys, here we go. It's getting serious. It's getting real up in Green Bay. Here we are, five days away from Week 17, and this team has a chance to lock up another 13-3 season. They have a chance to lock up the number one seed, home field advantage, first round bye. The vibe in Green Bay is starting to get exciting. The energy around this team is starting to get exciting. You can always see what direction a team is going in by how the narrative is changing throughout the season. Before the season started, preseason, the narrative surrounding this team was they were going to regress heavily. That they were not a 13-win caliber team that they probably wouldn't even win 10 games, that they were the third best team in the division. They were probably going to be somewhere around seven or eight wins. They would take a huge step back in Matt LaFleur's second year. And that narrative immediately changed when the Green Bay Packers went up to Minnesota week one and blew the Vikings out of the water. And then again, week two against the Lions blew the Lions out of the water. So the narrative changed to, okay, the offense is good. But what's going to happen when they play a good defense? What is Aaron Rodgers going to do when he's not playing these cupcake secondaries? So then the Green Bay Packers played a couple teams in the top 10 in defense and put up really good numbers. So then the narrative changed to, okay, let's see what the defense does. This defense struggles against the run. They're known to give up the big chunk plays. They're known to give up a lot of points. Their offense may be good, but they will never succeed with that defense. So then the defense had a couple weeks of great games. And then the narrative became, okay, they're playing a cupcake schedule. Yes, the defense has played good, but they're not playing anybody. Well, week 16, the league's number one scoring offense rolls into Lambeau, and the Packers held them to 14 points. 14 points. Seven of which came on a play that I don't think anybody anybody was expecting. I don't think anybody was expecting Ryan Tannehill to run for almost 50 yards on a touchdown, but we'll still take credit for that. We'll still take the blame that we gave up that play. But at the end of the day, it was 14 points to the league's top scoring offense at the time. The league's top five producing offense. They held them to 14 points, and they held the, the one man that everyone on planet Earth thought was going to tear the Packers up In Derrick Henry, they held him to under 100 yards. Now what's the narrative? Now now where do you look for the negativity? Now where do you look for the the overcast skies and the gloomy outlook? Where, Where do you go? They've proven themselves on offense. They've proven themselves on offense against good teams. They've proven themselves on defense. And now they have proven themselves on defense against another good team. Going into week 17 with the chance to wrap up home field advantage, that game against Tennessee was massive. It was a massive win, and it put the entire, not just the NFC, that put the entire league on notice. Tennessee's no slouch. They're a great team. 
They made it all the way to the AFC Championship game last year on a running back. Yes, Ryan Tannehill was playing pretty good last year, but this team is much better this year than they were last year. 14 points. 98 yards rushing by Derrick Henry. Right now, today, before you go into Week 17, right now, today, Green Bay is the best team in the NFC. They're the second best team in the NFL, and the only reason why I'm giving them the number two spot and not the number one overall spot is because KC is the defending champs. They deserve that recognition. They have not fallen off. Yes, they've struggled over the past couple of weeks to some weaker opponents. They're still a one-loss team. They're still most likely going to finish 15-1. and one. They get the nod as the number one team in the NFL. Green Bay is right on their heels. Right on their heels. I have not had this much confidence in a Packers team since probably 2014. And I'll, I'll, I'll go to the grave saying right now that that 2014 team would have won the Super Bowl if not for that, that Aaron Rodgers calf injury. I'm not going to blame the, the, the Bostic botched kick, onside kick. I'm not going to blame Julius Peppers uh, uh, telling, what was it, Morgan? It was Morgan Burnett, wasn't it? Morgan Burnett to slide on that interception when he had another 40 or 50 yards of field. I'm not going to blame that. I'm not even blaming Rodgers for the injury, but if you if you put a 100% team out there on the field against Seattle in 2014, we win that game. But that's for another debate. Right now in 2020, this is the best team the Packers have had in almost a decade. I, I have not had this much confidence in a team in almost a decade, and this is the most fun I've had watching a Packers team since the end of 2010 into 2011. Obviously, they have a ways to go. They still have to win in Chicago. They still have to lock up that number one seed. They still have to get home field advantage. The only team that frightens me, the only team that would worry me right now today would be Tampa Bay. For two reasons. One, they have the recipe to beat Green Bay. They have that strong pass rush. They have a solid running game. They have a solid defense. And obviously, Tom Brady has been there before in January. He's been there several times in January. And he's a cold-weather quarterback. He spent his entire career in Boston. Now, it may not be as cold, quotation fingers, as Green Bay, but they get way more snow. They get just as bad of weather. So... That's the only team that worries me. I don't see Tampa coming into Green Bay and beating them in an NFC Championship game or a second-round divisional game. This is the first time since 96, I guess, in the Brett Favre era, in his prime, this is the first time that the Packers have held the keys to the car and are sitting in the driver's seat. 2010, they had to win all their games on the road. 2014, they had to go on the road in the NFC Championship game. 2016, they had to go on the road. 2019, last year, they had to go on the road. This is the first time they've been in the driver's seat in Aaron Rodgers' career, which is huge because not only do you have him playing the best football of his entire career, arguably, you've got a defense that's starting to step up against quality opponents. That should strike fear into the heart of every single team in the NFL right now. We're going to dive into that Titans game. I'm going to give a recap. I'm going to give my Clint Eastwood on the the Titans-Packers matchup Sunday night. 
We're going to look ahead towards the Bears-Packers matchup, Week 17, that pivotal matchup that's going to win them, hopefully win them, home field advantage. And we're going to discuss the greatest moments in Wisconsin sports history on Christmas. So stick around. we got a fun show going on for you today. All right, everybody knows what that music means. That means I am going to give my Clint Eastwood my good, bad, and ugly for the Titans-Packers matchup from Sunday night. We're going to do it a little differently today because I don't have an ugly. And to be honest with you, I struggled to find a bad. So we are going to give, well, I'm going to give, there's no we, it's just me. I'm going to give my best, great, and goodest. If that, uh, um... If that makes sense, we're going to start it off with the best. The best is the defense. I mean, where do you begin? Where do you begin with the game ball for defense right now? Let's start with Ryan Tannehill. 11 for 24, 121 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. He looked lost in the backfield. He looked lost in the pocket. He was struggling to find guys open throughout the entire night, thanks to guys like Jair Alexander and Darnell Savage becoming the shutdown defensive backs that they have been over the last six to eight weeks. Uh, the secondary played lights out, 121 yards through the air. The Packers have only allowed one 300-yard passer this season, and that was Deshaun Watson against the Texans about a month and a half, two months ago. Um, I mean, I, I could go on for days and days and days about this this defense and the secondary and the pass rush, but what I want to focus on most uh, in terms of my my best, which was technically the good here for this game, is Derrick Henry and what this team did to stop him. Now, uh, there was an argument that was being uh, carried on on Twitter over the past day or so ago about whether or not Green Bay shut Derrick Henry down. I'm here right now to tell you, yes, they shut him down. And here's why. Yes, I do understand that he had 23 carries and 98 yards. They kept him out of the end zone, most importantly. Uh, however, one thing to, to keep in mind about that 98 yards, 50 of them, 50 of those 98 yards, over half of his total game yardage came after the, the Packers scored their 33, 33rd point. They had already put up 33 points, and Derrick Henry only had 48 yards. Now, I touched on this last week. I talked about this on the podcast when I was giving my preview for this game. I said... If the Packers came out quick, if they came out aggressive, that they would shut him down, that they would make him a non-factor. That didn't really happen. Now, yes, the Packers put up 40 points in this game, but, you know, they started a little slow on offense in the first half. Not to say that they were playing bad by any means, but it's not like, you know, you know, it's not like what Tom Brady did to the Lions in the first half of the game on Sunday. I mean, Rodgers... He had a couple of touchdown passes, and uh, I think we may have had about 110, 105 yards rushing as a team. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't mind blowing what the Packers did on offense. So this was this was legit a good defensive strategy. Now back to the Derrick Henry portion of this conversation and why I think they shut him down. The difference between a back like Derrick Henry and you know, let's say Josh Jacobs on the Raiders or Ezekiel Elliott on the Cowboys. Derrick Henry starts and finishes this this Titans offense. He is he is the focal point of this offense. He is the heartbeat of this offense. If Derrick Henry is not producing at a high level, 
this Titans offense tends to crumble. They tend to struggle. You'd be hard struck to find another back that impacts the flow of the game, that impacts the play on the field, that impacts the scoreboard the way Derrick Henry does. Now, obviously, Alvin Kamara had six touchdowns on Friday, and that's that was a huge game, but that was just one game. Derrick Henry's been doing this for two years now. Derrick Henry's impact on the field is is tremendous, and it is probably the highest and the most impactful out of any running back in the NFL. When you take that away from this Titans team, this Titans team falls, as I just said a couple seconds ago. The Packers' defense made him a non-factor. They made him unimportant to the outcome of this game. They made what he was doing in the backfield and on the field irrelevant. That, to me, is being shut down. I mean, you you can get all of these box score Bettys that want to look at the box score and say, oh, 23 carries and 98 yards, he averaged over four yards a carry. That's fine. But if you're going to bitch about garbage time statistics then don't don't say that we didn't shut Derrick Henry down when 50 of his yards came in garbage time. 48 yards rushing when the Packers put up their 33rd, 33rd point. Why can't I say that? Holy crap. 33rd points. Point, points, whatever. Anyways, he had less than half of his game total uh, in, in rushing by the time this game was a blowout. Tennessee was not recovering from 33-14, to 14, not with Derrick Henry they weren't. They would have had to rely on Ryan Tannehill to win them that game. So, to make him the least important person on that field by the time the fourth quarter started, to me, that's shutting a player down. That is my absolute best of the game. That's We, we changed the good, bad, and ugly to best, great, and goodest. That is my absolute best of the game. We're going to go to great, and I'm going to... Kind of split this up between two guys. A.J. Dillon, we're going to start with him, the rookie out of Boston College. 21 carries, 124 yards, and two touchdowns. Scored his first touchdowns in the NFL this game. Had a great game. He had a phenomenal game. I mean, it was a ground-and-pound game for him. He was running guys over left and right. It was really good to see him involved in the running game uh, on this scale. He pretty much doubled his, his season total in carries. He went from... 24 to 45 in one game. Uh, So now on the season for his totals, he's got 45 carries, 239 yards and two touchdowns. I think that's something right around the realm of 5.9 yards per carry. That is a phenomenal sign for this offense, especially going into next year. I spoke on this last week on last week's show about how Aaron Jones will probably not be back next year. I think you'd be, I think you'd be safe if you bet a large sum of money that said Aaron Jones will not be a green Bay Packers running back. This is a great sign for the Packers going forward because there's a small chance that neither Jones or Williams will be back. It could potentially be A.J. Dillon as the starter and then a handful of rookies. Now, I personally think they'll keep Jamal Williams, but nonetheless, A.J. Dillon showed a lot of potential in that game against the Titans. There was a couple great runs he had. I believe it was a 25-30 yarder for his first touchdown. Um, there There was... the nose tackle, I can't remember his name from the Titans, that he just absolutely demolished on his second touchdown uh, on his way into the end zone. And then obviously, what what can be said about Devontae Adams in Week 16 that hasn't been said about 438 times already this season? 
the dude ceases to amaze people. If I did I say that properly? You never cease to amaze me? Yeah, yeah, I said that properly. He is having one of the greatest seasons by a wide receiver in NFL history. And I I think, you know, a lot of the, a lot of you might question that. Like, oh, well, there's been seasons that have been way better. Just hear me out. It's it's the it's the complete package that Devontae Adams has provided the Packers this year. It's not just the receptions, it's not just the yardage, it's not just the touchdowns. It's the three of them combined. You never see that combination. Usually when you got when you see a guy with a, a ton of receptions, a ton of yards, maybe he's got about four or five touchdowns. Or you see a guy with a ton of yards and a ton of touchdowns, but he's got like 80, 90 receptions. Right now, Devontae Adams has 109 receptions, 1,328 yards, and 17 touchdowns. He's missed two and a half games. He could potentially finish with over 120 receptions, which which would be a Green Bay record. Uh, He's got an outside chance to break the single-season yardage record, but he's sitting at 1,328. He could be right around 1,450. And 17 touchdowns, which which leads the NFL. That is a phenomenal season, even if he doesn't play on Sunday, which he's going to. Don't Don't get freaked out. He's going to. But even if he didn't play on Sunday, if that's what his stats ended at, I mean, that's that's a career year for damn near every wide receiver in the NFL right now today. Especially the 17 touchdowns. He leads the NFL in touchdown reception since 2016 with, I believe, it's 57. So the argument for Devontae being at a bare minimum, a bare minimum of a top five wide receiver in the NFL, that's been laid laid, laid to rest. That's no longer a debate. That's no longer a discussion. If you don't think Devontae's a top five wide receiver, then you should probably stop watching football. In my eyes, he's top two, and I can tell you right now, he ain't two. Uh, And then, I mean, after after that, after the best, great, and then goodest, I guess my goodest would be... um, uh, just a, a phenomenal game plan by, by Petten. I mean, I think he restored uh, a lot of confidence in a lot of people. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to stick around. Um, I've said this on, on multiple occasions, that I believe it's going to take a Super Bowl championship for them to keep Mike Petten as their, their defensive coordinator going into next year. <laughs> but here we sit, and that's a strong possibility. That is a strong possibility that Mike Petten could be the defensive coordinator. I mean, honestly, if you had to choose between the two, what would you choose? Would you choose a ring or would you choose getting a new DC next year? Obviously, 99 out of 98 of you are going to choose a ring. But I I got to hand it to Mike Pettin. He, he, he game planned perfectly. I don't think they could have played a better game against Tennessee. I mean, 14 points on, on defense and less than 100 yards rushing allowed to the league's best running back. I mean... I, there's honestly no complaints whatsoever out of the defense outside of a couple of botched plays. You know, here's here's an example. They allowed, what was it, 156 yards rushing uh, total as, as a defense. 27 carries, 156 yards rushing. You take away that 145-yard run by Ryan Tannehill, they're at 111 yards rushing on 26 carries. If you would have told me that outside of one play by Ryan Tannehill – that a team with Derrick Henry on it would have 111 yards rushing with no touchdowns, I would have laughed at you. I would have told you you were insane. I would have told you you were crazy. There's no way. Hats off to Mike Pettin, man. I mean, that that's just a, a great game plan. Uh, we're going to dive into the Packers-Bears matchup. We're going to talk about the implications 
and what this is going to mean to the Packers going forward. We're going to talk about what needs to happen in order for them to secure the number one seed, no matter win or loss. We're going to give a little bit of a playoff preview on, on what we could potentially see, and then we're going to talk about Wisconsin Christmas moments. Okay, looking ahead to Week 17 against the Chicago Bears in Soldier Field, it is simple. Win and in. Um, I mean, in this particular case, it's not necessarily win and you're in. It's win and you're number one. The Packers are already in the playoffs. But it is as simple as that. Win the game. They lock up number one seed. They lock up home field advantage. They lock up that first round bye. It starts to get a little tricky after that. I know New Orleans holds the tiebreaker over Seattle. But if there's a three-way tie, Seattle, I believe, holds the three-way tiebreaker. So if both Seattle and New Orleans wins and Chicago beats the Green Bay Packers, you have a three-way tie at 12-4. and four. I do believe the Seattle Seahawks then become the number one seed, and the Packers at that particular point, I believe, become the number two seed, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, hopefully it doesn't get to that point. Hopefully we don't have to worry about seeding and where they're going to be and who they're going to play. Hopefully all they have to do is go into Chicago Field, beat the, Sol the, the Soldiers, beat the Chicago Bears, and they are the number one seed. Now, as it sits today, you have the Seattle, or excuse me, the New Orleans Saints as the number two seed, the Seattle Seahawks as the number three seed, the Washington Redskins as the four seed. And then I believe after that, it is Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the five, Los Angeles as the six, and currently Chicago is sitting in the seventh spot. So this particular game has a lot of, lot of crap riding on it. I mean, I'm sorry to use the word crap, but there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff riding on this game. I mean, you have the number one seed for one team, and you have a playoff berth at all period for the other team. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to sit there and say that the, the Bears 100% won't go anywhere because the Green Bay Packers made it in as the last seed in the 2010 playoffs and won the Super Bowl. Do I think Chicago is capable of doing that this year? Absolutely not, but that's me personally. But as it sits right now, the Bears, um, they, they still actually could potentially get in the playoffs without even winning that game. If the Arizona Cardinals lose, they would be in the playoffs still at 8-8, eight and eight, so... Your, your first round, your wild card matchups, your first round matchups would be New Orleans versus Chicago, Seattle versus Los Angeles, and Washington versus Tampa. Uh, I, I do believe in terms of New Orleans and Chicago, New Orleans takes that game easily. Now, I'm personally saying easily to that. Obviously, it's any given Sunday. Obviously, anything can happen. I personally believe New Orleans takes that game easily. Seattle versus Los Angeles, it's all going to depend on Jared Goff's thumb. He does have that broken thumb. Um, gosh, anything can happen with that as well. Um, now, Washington, Tampa can actually potentially be a, a toss up. Um, Washington's front seven, Washington, their defense overall is, is phenomenal. Uh, depends on if they're going to have Alex Smith. Um, I, I guess, I guess that is, that is something that would have to be played out. I do believe Tampa Bay takes that game in the long scheme of things, but, um, Washington's no slouch. They could definitely they could definitely win that game. Now here we go. Los Angeles Rams. Los Angeles clinch playoff berth with a win or tie or Chicago loss or tie. So uh New Orleans clinches the first round by with a win, a Green Bay loss, and a Seattle win. As I was that's what I was saying earlier. 
Uh, Seattle clinches a first-round bye with a win, a Green Bay loss, and a New Orleans loss. Uh, Washington clinches with a win or a tie and a Dallas loss or tie. So, odds are the way things sit right now are the way things are going to be going into the playoffs. And I spoke about this a couple segments ago, excuse me, or last segment rather. Do I want to say the word segment or smegment? Smegment, the next smegment. Anyways, as I spoke earlier, out of all of the current or potential playoff teams right now today, Tampa Bay does scare me the most. Now, when I say scare me the most, that doesn't necessarily mean they scare me a whole lot to begin with at all. Uh, If I just had to pick one team out of that group of teams, it would be Tampa that scared me the most. They, They showed the blueprint a couple of months ago on how to beat this Packers team, um, and then Carolina obviously tried exploiting that same game plan. It all depends on if the Green Bay Packers were able to adjust come January. I think they would be able to. Their defense is obviously playing a lot better than it was. And I think the offense would be able to produce against this Tampa Bay defense. I think they've they've taken a bit of a decline since that, that October game uh, there down in Tampa. So I would say Tampa over Washington, Seattle over Los Angeles, New Orleans over Chicago. You would be looking at a Tampa... Green Bay Packers second round game and a New Orleans a New Orleans and uh, Jesus I just lost my entire train of thought New Orleans Seattle so New Orleans Seattle and Tampa Green Bay I think Green Bay beats Tampa up in Green Bay I think the cold weather will be a factor Uh, I think the defense is playing a lot better than it was back in October I do not see Tom Brady shredding this Aaron this um, excuse me Green Bay Packers rather defense up not out in the cold, not at 43 years old. So I would take Green Bay to then move on to the NFC Championship game, at which point you're looking at New Orleans and Seattle, which is a coin flip to me, in my eyes, a coin flip. Drew Brees is not playing his greatest football. Uh, He hasn't really been all year. Is he having a decent year outside of his injury? Yes. Is it his best football? No. Um, He hasn't looked like Drew Brees in probably three seasons. The... I guess the defining factor in that game is that it would be in New Orleans. I would still probably lean towards the the Seahawks in that game, which would come down to another Seahawks-Packers championship game. But this time, it's in our house. This time, it's up north. It's in Lambeau. It's in the elements. And I I believe, I don't, I don't think Russell Wilson has ever won in Green Bay. I think he's, what is he, 0 for 4? 0 for 3, 0 for 4? Because he had the playoff game last year. There was a blowout a couple of years ago. There was the rematch game in 2015. I don't think he's ever won in Green Bay. So that would also be interesting. Uh, A rematch would be obviously scary for multiple other reasons, not just the product that would be on the field, but reminiscent of 2014 would would be popping up in a lot of people's minds. Uh, But I... I'm, I'm officially going on record right now today after week 16, five days before week 17, and I am saying the Green Bay Packers are going to win the NFC championship game and represent the National Football League in the Super Bowl. I'm not going to give my Super Bowl prediction yet. I would like to wait one week into the playoffs before I do that, but as of right now, my NFC pick is Green Bay. We are going to move on to a little bit of a special segment. I'm going to talk about Wisconsin sports history on or around Christmas. I'll just give a couple examples, a couple of the greatest moments. Uh, let's see what we can come up with, eh? All right, discussing Christmas in Wisconsin, particularly sports, usually 
I mean, of course, your biggest sports moments are going to come from the Green Bay Packers. The the Bucks, I, I believe, went 40 years without playing on Christmas Day or around Christmas. So uh, I know I said I was going to try and give top 10 moments. It's hard to find a lot of history on this. Plus, uh, us at Wisconsin Sports Heroics are about to have our Christmas party now. Uh, so I'm going to give a couple of the bigger moments uh, of my lifetime, at least, some of my favorite memories on, on Christmas uh, or Christmas Eve. Uh, we're going to start with December 24th, 1994. The Packers clinch a playoff berth in Tampa. It's the first time since the Lombardi era that Green Bay had made the playoffs in back-to-back years. I mean, they this was this was pretty much a blowout right off the bat. They were up 28 to six at halftime. Um, it gave Green Bay the first home playoff game since 1982, and it really cemented Brett Favre as one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL at the time. I mean, he he played a great game against Tampa then. And um, I cannot remember, that was the year, I believe they lost to Dallas the first time that year. I can't remember exactly 100%. Uh, we're going to go from 1994 to 2004, and this was, a, this was a big one, 2004. This was against the Minnesota Vikings. This was for the, the Packers' third straight division title and this one was really a it was a barn burner it was a back and forth game with the Minnesota Vikings it was in Minnesota so you had that crazy crowd going at the Metrodome Uh, I believe they had four different ties uh, going back and forth in this game in the second half um, there was a, there was a couple big plays. I, I, there was a, there was a deep passage of Javon Walker. Donald driver was lightened up in that second era, excuse me, in that fourth quarter, rather, um, they had a goal goal line situation with about three and a half minutes left to tie the game. Uh, that was a touchdown pass to Donald driver there late in the fourth quarter to tie the game. And then Minnesota went three and out right away. And instead of just trying to scrape their way into field goal range. I mean, you had a, a screen pass to Tony Fisher to start the drive. You had another 18-yard pass to Donald Driver to get them right about the edge of field goal range. Instead of, you know, maybe running out the clock a little bit or trying to uh, throw a screen or maybe try and run the ball. Nope. Brett Favre was like, I got this. Just hold my beer. He goes 31 yards to Javon Walker down to the Minnesota 7 to set up a, a, a goal line situation. They kneel on it three times kick the field goal, Packers win their third straight division. Uh, the next scenario that I I absolutely loved, this is one of my favorite Christmas moments of all time. It was the 2010 game against the New York Giants. I believe it was the day after Christmas. I believe it was December 26th. And this is, in my opinion, this is really what set the wheels in motion for the Green Bay Packers to go on that great Super Bowl run. I mean, you had the Giants that came into Lambeau Field. They were a game ahead um, they were a game ahead of the Green Bay Packers. Both teams trying to get that fifth or sixth wild card spot. I believe the Giants came into this game nine and five. Packers were eight and six. Um, this was, I want to say, this was the week after you had that crazy play from the Philadelphia Eagles. You had Deshaun Jackson return that punt against the the New York Giants um, as time expired. And that's that's what brought the Giants and the Packers within one game of each other. You remember, if, if it was if it weren't for Deshaun Jackson returning that punt for a uh, a touchdown, the Packers even with this win on December 26, 2010, the Packers are still a game behind. But with this victory, they were able to tie at nine and six after the win. So it didn't matter whether the Giants won or not the following week. All Green Bay had to do was win, and they're in. And they they absolutely demolished. Um, the Giants, I, I know it was 21 to 21 to 14 at half, 
and the Giants managed three more points uh, to end the game. The, the final score is 45-17. Uh, the game really started off with that 80-yard deep pass to Jordy Nelson. That was that one over the middle where Jordy just took off and ran the entire way in. Um, you did have a, a Mario Manningham deep pass from Eli Manning. I want to say, man, that was that was probably close to, to 90 yards. I want to say that was at least 85 yards. Um, but then the, the Packers really put the final uh, 21 to 24 points on the board and, and really just took off with this game. And I, I believe it was, it was the confidence boost from this game that really helped when Green Bay had to go into Chicago the following week and, or wait, was that in Chicago? Hold on. Let me back that up a little bit. That FC championship game was in Chicago. Regardless, Chicago was a tough opponent and Green Bay had to beat the bears the final week of the season to just to get into the playoffs. The bears were the division champions at the time. Packers had to win just to get in, and I don't believe they go into that Week 17 matchup against Chicago as confident if it weren't for this blowout victory against somebody that was at the time ahead of them in the standings for that final spot in the playoffs. And of course, of course, the final the final matchup is going to be that 2016 run the table Christmas Eve game against the Minnesota Vikings. Everybody knows the Packers were pretty much left for dead. They were four and six. In uh, the beginning, middle of November, everybody had written them off. Nobody really thought they had a chance to do anything. And I believe it was the Philadelphia Eagles game that really kicked it off. But I believe after that 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 final loss of the year, that sixth loss, and Aaron Rodgers is in the locker room and he, he says, I believe we can run the table and everyone laughed at him. I mean, even even Stephen A. Smith was like, I don't, I don't think that's going to be possible, man. And Stephen A. Smith loves Aaron Rodgers. And, of course, they went on a six-game tear. Aaron Rodgers wins the MVP that year, and or no, excuse me, he did not win the MVP. It was Matt Ryan that won the MVP that year, but he put up MVP-like numbers that year, and this game really was over almost as quick as it began. I mean, you went into this game thinking, man, the Vikings are going to be a tough opponent. Um, would, would Green Bay really be able to pull this victory out at home? They're trying to run the table, yada, yada, yada. And I, I believe it was something along the lines of 21-6, uh, 21-7 in the second quarter. Um, the Vikings had that deep bomb to Adam Thielen. That's kind of when Adam Thielen really started to break out onto his own, uh, have that sort of Devontae Adams moment where he became the, the best receiver on the Vikings team. Um, my, my favorite moment of this game was Aaron Rodgers breaking ankles on that quarterback sneak around the corner of the end zone where he's using his Jedi mind tricks to steer dudes out of the way somehow and he he just he he does this spin move and you see the the Vikings defender just go flying off to the side these are the kind of moments that I think in about 20 years we're going to start looking back on this season about you're going to look back on that on that couple days after Christmas game against the Tennessee Titans and say man that was one of the best moments of the year. Or you're going to look back on that um, at 49ers game and be like, oh, man, the redemption game where we blew them out. This is this this season has that 2014 feel, that 2016 feel, that 2010 feel where everything that's happening is memorable. Everything that's happening is just so much fun to watch. I mean, there's no, there's no anxiety with this team anymore. There's no angst. There's no, uh, there's no drive where you're like, man, they really got to start doing this better. They really got to start doing this better. 
They're phenomenal on offense. They've been playing great on defense. They have a surefire MVP in Aaron Rodgers. He's going to win his third MVP. This team is going to bring a lot of people joy this January, I think. I think you're going to see Rodgers win his second ring. Um, we're going to wrap the show up because I do believe I've got a Christmas party here starting any minute now. Um, check us out once again on Twitter, Wisco Heroics one Check them out on Facebook as well. You can find my podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Sports Talk Ryan. You can email me, um, rhinoelbertshow at gmail.com if you have any comments, criticisms, concerns, questions, anything along the lines uh, that would fit in the alliteration category that I just gave you. But I'm going to go ahead and wrap this show up. I hope all of you had a great Christmas. I hope all of you have a great New Year's, and we'll see you next week.